Welcome to the podcast Paradox 23. We are your hosts, Christina Saloy and Biagio Stango. Good morning. Good morning. So, what are we talking about with our followers this morning, Christina? Uh, dream time, right? Dream time. Yeah. You said you had a very intriguing dream time last night, huh? Mm-hmm. So, dreams. I've had a lot of dreams recently. Some I remember, some I don't. But what's been really sticking with me recently is how there's a handful of dreams, like three dreams that I've had in my life, and all three have very peculiar moments in the dream that I recognize in the dream. I'm dreaming, and in the dream I say, oh, this is a dream. This isn't happening. And the anxiety that I'm feeling in that dream all of a sudden drops away and I do something in the dream to make a change. Now, some people, ancient mystery schools have said, you're learning about your source creative center, about how malleable the dreamscape is. But that malleability of the dreamscape is also how physical reality works. And physical reality is as malleable. It's just that there's a lag in the expression of how the physicality changes. In the dream time, it's instant. But in reality, it has to happen over a subjected amount of measured time because we're physical and we have limitations. Now, you had a very interesting dream last night. <laughs> mm-hmm. We can go right into the idea of limitations or beliefs. or Sure. What would you like to talk about? Mm. tell me about the dream okay I'll tell you about the dream but I mean firstly I want to give you my perception on what I think the purpose partially what the purpose of dreaming is especially as it relates to the ascension process um I believe that as we shift our perceptions and our reality and we go through different belief systems and then as our consciousness expands, those belief systems expand, what you find is that as you change your mind and your perception, what you experience in the dream time state changes as well. And I do think that the dream time state is this creative place where we are able to play out different scenarios and work with our subconscious, if you wanna call it that, in order to bring certain things into alignment because in the dream time state, you can creatively work with and express different belief systems that you normally would not get to play out in physical reality, and you wouldn't understand uh, even what's being conveyed. So, yeah, my dream last night. Okay, I guess we're just going into the content of the dream. So I set my intention last night that I wanted to remember my dreams and I wanted to remember any teachings that happened in the dream. And what came to me in the dream, now this is going to sound weird to some people, but I guess all dreams are weird in a certain sense. Congratulations if you're listening to this podcast. Other people might consider you weird. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I guess we already crossed that bridge a long time ago, though. Right. Um, in this particular dream, 
I had some sort of like implants in my head that almost seemed like little horns or something. Uh, which I find funny being, you know, a Capricorn in the association with the devil card and tarot and all the contemplations I've done around that. But in the dream, I had this overwhelming panicky feeling of these things are on my head on either side and I need to get them out. Like this is a foreign something that needs to be removed. And it was this extreme panic. And I remember in the dream feeling the physicality of these things on my head and feeling like this is, I'm going to need like surgery or something. This is something they're so stuck. They're so embedded in my being, in my own scalp, which, you know, waking up to that sort of reality in the dream time and knowing like I'm in a dream, I know like, I knew I was in a dream. I knew this was not physical reality. I also knew I was an active participant in the dream, which that goes a lot. Um, it reminds me a lot of shamanic journeying and like people that practice that know that you are an active participate, an active participant in your shamanic journey. You are a co-creator, so you determine what is going on in that scenescape just as much as what is happening in the external to you. So in this dream, there was a stream of guidance that came through letting me know what is attached to your head is not permanent. It does not need surgical intervention. You can remove it. And I remember feeling great distress in the dream, feeling like, no, 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 I can't. It's stuck. And with further prompting, I was shown how to remove these when you say you were shown how to remove mm -hmm. further prompting, mm -hmm. are these intuitive images that the individual in the dream who is a piece of your consciousness or is you mm -hmm. is getting? Yeah. So in my dream, there was definitely a higher evolved mentor-like consciousness that was reiterating to me and basically helping me navigate the dreamsca dreamscape in telling me, showing me through te telepathy is what you mm -hmm. say it is, or transference, downloads, how to remove these implanted things. And once I understood I could do it, I did. And I basically popped them out. <laughs> in a very, it was very weird. And I could feel the spots where they were. And there was like this uh, feeling afterwards of relief and understanding. Well, the further understanding that I got this morning as I contemplated this dream was the belief that we can change anything. We can change any belief system. We can detox anything. And that's about like understanding the miracle of who you are the I mean also the miracle of just how powerful the biological you know essence of our being is which is you know a sort of spiritual chemiological electrical biological field of existence that's very known and simultaneously unknown you know we know 
all about the body, just like we know all this stuff about the ocean, and yet people are like, half of the ocean's unexplored, and you're like, I think it's more than that. Half yeah. of your body is unexplored, although right. we've dissected it to its, but there's pieces of it, what our being is, we just can't seem to get to as much times as we cut a person up with a knife and look in at all the hardware that's existing. And it's you very... know, like, you've helped me in my own understanding of physicality and, like, like logically I understood mechanisms of healing and what happens in terms of how it expresses in physicality, but you've also provided me a mirror for understanding um, really how powerful our physical bodies are, and we don't actually need a ton of intervention when it comes to healing the physical body. Right. Kind of like less is more, but we're taught from right. westernized allopathic medicine, like, no, you need harsh pharmaceuticals, you need right. invasive surgeries, this, this, this. You this. can talk to my parents and my sisters, and they'll tell you, oh, he was sick all the time. He probably even made himself sick. He was so scared of the wind, he was scared of temperature. You and the wind. <laughs> yeah. And all of a sudden... When I, in my experience, you know, stopped getting as sick, it was because, not because I started getting way more sleep or my diet became so much healthier or any of these, it was simply because I stopped believing that these things were going to result in me getting sick. And instead, I took on the aspect that said, if I believe this won't make me sick, and I believe that there's a positive course to these things, then it can happen. And so... In my example, what I started doing was was I started actually just hiking in the wintertime in only pants and boots. No shirt, no nothing. Just a, a hat, pants, and boots. And it would be sometimes, you know, below 32 degrees outside. Like, And it was... There were times where I was like, is this safe? Am I going to hurt myself? Because I don't even know what I'm doing. I haven't studied these advanced methods of this, this, and this, and... The, no, I just believed. I knew I had seen what I saw with, you know, William Hahn and Hoff, the Iceman guy. Mm -hmm. And I knew he did something very powerful. And I had practiced, you know, some cold therapy to help my back. But then I wanted to extend it into, you know, the sort of metaphysical expression of knowingness, the belief in the body. My body actually will protect me and warm me to the core utilizing the powers of your mind and there is a breathing technique i did notice that mm -hmm. if I ever i started questioning what i'm doing and i started getting anxious about it my entire breathing pattern would change and the cold would set in immediately anyway that was a bit of a stretch from your dreams no 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 because i do want to get back to your dream about because a question i had while you're talking was you said you're getting intuitive guidance from higher wisdom. Mm -hmm. And in the beginning, when you're talking about a dreamscape, you're talking about a modeling of the subconscious. Now, there's higher wisdom, then there's the subconscious. Mm -hmm. There's kind of an idea in our modern day that the subconscious is something that's lesser than our conscious. Or that it's something below our mm -hmm. conscious. Right. But like is the Charles subconscious is. really below no. our conscious? Or I, we... Well, I would say because in spirituality and just 
I don't know, and everything it seems, especially as humans, we like to put things on a linear scale. We like things in terms of like a pyramid, higher, lower. We like these sort of configurations. And when it comes to exploring consciousness, the best um, visionary explanation I can give you for the method I use would be more in the realm of like Alex Gray's paintings, especially the ones, I think it's the uh, album on, the Tool album cover where you have like the Godhead and it's all the different faces, 360 degrees. So when I talk about the subconscious, I don't actually think that I'm going into some subversive part of my personality structure where there's all this like lurking stuff that needs to be brought right. up to the surface. So you're not going into like a small hole crevice in <laughs> no. your brain no, no, and no. then going into this subterranean no. underground where all this stuff is hidden away and it's really hard to get to and when you're in there it's really claustrophobic -y. No, no. So, not, okay. No shadow work like that or anything. Okay. I more view it as from my perspective, I imagine that I can rotate 360 degrees and see anything it is I need to see, experience anything it is I need to experience. When I talk about the subconscious, I more feel like that is, it's like a pool of energy that is mainly operating under the realm of what you would call the stuff you can't see, your shadow aspects, the belief systems that are operating that you're not quite conscious of. They don't have to be bad by any means, um, but it's more like the pool of energy that's operating that you just aren't completely conscious of what's even in there. Right. So when you're dreaming and you're quote unquote accessing the subconscious, it's all of that energy that's basically you get to play with and right. allow for the expression of to actually form in symbols, visions, and then you're able to see and play with that. And so... The subconscious yeah. is actually less limited than our consciousness, our current waking consciousness. I don't even like to draw distinctions between that. I just feel like, for me, the less we stop, like, you know, slicing and dicing and being like, regulate this to the ego, and this is the superego, and this is okay. the id, and this is your consciousness, this is your subconscious, collective, whatever. Right. And I think that's good for some of the the listeners because a lot of us are programmed at least myself is is you know the the subconscious is sort of you know it's it's more like honed in on you know how it's put together and it's like always, the iceberg image is what right. most people view the subconscious right. as. and you're saying that the iceberg is consciousness and the water around it is the subconsciousness like all of that water that pool like like everybody's pointing like look at underneath the iceberg and you're like that's limited look at the pool that the iceberg's in that's the subconscious yeah i mean essentially we are all these sort of like underwater cameras operating in the physical body experiencing this reality and um, i think when you start trying to divide your consciousness and you start talking about right side of the brain, left side of the brain, and the more distinctions you make, the farther you lead into fragmentation and the farther away you get from understanding all that is. You are 
connected to all that is. You are a full expression that is whole of all that is. And I think, you know, uh, there's a lot of lovely um, <laughs> scientific and intellectual ways we can talk about it, but I think sometimes simple is better. Right. Well, science has taken the iceberg out of the ocean. <laughs> like, they describe the whole thing, but they don't describe the water that it's floating in. Right. And water is, I mean, at least as it's represented in symbology, tarot, it's your emotions, it's the realm of the infinite. Right. It's also, and we are made up of water, so it's like, you can't avoid it. The yeah. irony is, is that they're saying, you know, the iceberg... But the iceberg's also made of the water, right? That right, it's, it's in, frozen. Right? So it's like the iceberg's frozen, and yet it's in this sort of mm -hmm. substance that it's also made of, right? So it's like your consciousness frozen, mm -hmm. but then it's in the same stuff that it's made up of. Right. Weird, isn't it? Very intriguing. <laughs> I like that image. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. So... I didn't mean to distract you about this subconscious thing. Yeah, I what just, was the question? I just wanted to. <laughs> I just wanted to elaborate on it um, yeah. for our listeners because we've like had that. a lot of discussions about the subconscious and the conscious, and you know, a lot of people getting confused, thinking, "Well, when it's subconscious, you're going down." Or I don't go down anymore. Here's the thing: like, <laughs> in studying shamanism. A big part of that is you're going to the upper world, you're journeying to the upper world, you're journeying to the lower world, or you're journeying in the middle world. And really, if you're com becoming multidimensional, which a lot of people do believe we are, that would mean you're not actually going anywhere, but you're experiencing everything powerfully happening now. Reality is layered. There are multiple realities happening at the same time. Right? You could be in a room with three other people. You're all experiencing different realities, but you're also experiencing a collective agreed upon reality together. Right. So in your dream, you kind of were experiencing two different realities. One was, I can't, like you can't take these horns or these implants out. And then you sort of, something flipped and this telepathic slash this, you know, intuitive guidance in the in the dream state is flipping into I can and there's a different reality experience in the dream state so I would say yeah and for anybody you know there's different dream time methods out there people talk about lucid dreaming what I've noticed in terms of dreaming as it relates to the ascension process if I look back on my dreams I used to have a lot of lucid dreams when I was in like middle school high school even and then a lot of my dream content i believe was working a lot of stuff out in what i would consider to be the astral realms humans have a predatory nature a lot of times they're not aware of it and there's only so much of that that can be expressed and worked out in our physicality because there are laws there are rules about how we're supposed to treat each other so the dream time becomes a place where if you need to work out belief systems around violence, predatory nature, your own victimization as it relates to that stuff, 
you'll notice that the content of your dreams will be like that. In addition to relationships, love, sexuality, mm. there's a lot of stuff that gets expressed in dream time because it's kind of like, well, you know, are you going to call up this person and that person from the past just because you have undone stuff with them or whatever it is? Probably not. It's best that it gets expressed in dream time and you're able to reach some sort of resolution towards it. A lot of people, when they're recalling their dreams or they're dealing with the content of their dreams and trying to understand what's going on there, many times people express that they don't have any control over their dreams. They don't understand the content of their dreams. I think that if you can get to a place where you understand that your dreams are a co-creative experience, that's where you can start to have these conscious dreams where you, you're in the dream, you recognize you're in the dream, you recognize your own co-creative ability, and that's where you can say, you can kind of like, no matter what's happening, number one, you can also change the content. I've done this and I know it's true. If you're experiencing something in a dream, you recognize that it is a quote unquote lesson. If you really don't like something that's playing out you can pause and swap things out change it up and say i need this reconfigured because i don't care for what's going on the dream will reconfigure itself in its visionary scape this dream in particular <laughs> i especially didn't like what was going on but at the same time i didn't have any uh desire to change what was going on i knew i was dreaming and that's when this supportive mentorship of consciousness that I also communicate with in my quote-unquote waking life came through as a support and basically was like I'm helping me navigate the dreamscape like much like a teacher you know right and this is what helped you flip from I can't I can't I was so dead set I can't I can't get these things out this is a permanent I'm gonna need some I'm gonna need surgical intervention I'm gonna need help from someone outside of myself I don't trust my body and whatever has happened I need external help and the mentor in the dreamscape was basically saying you have everything you need in giving me the telepathic information of this is how you extract these things from your being. Mm. So it was a reinforcing, you have everything you need. Mm -hmm. And I believe, and if that's a belief system, I had told you the other day, like, I believe that our bodies have the full capability of detoxing anything that they need to detox. Right. I believe in the power of the body. So if I am making those declarations, in my waking life, well, belief systems that are running contrary to that are going to be brought up in the dream time to be acted out and expressed because there's what people, what I think really gets people about dreams is the emotional content. You can have a dream and what's brought up are all those belief system triggers in your emotional body that are very real. So your actual body is going through what you could call even like a detox of the emotional body right. as these belief systems work themselves out in dream time. Right. Eckhart Tolle talks about pain bodies, emotional bodies, different bodies of your of the mind, and they're absolutely coming up against each other and, you know, working themselves out. 
100%. In the waking state as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which is why you'll notice, like, well, most people don't notice because they're not consciously aware that this is a process. Like, this isn't the ascension process. Even though it plays out differently for different people, there are mechanics that very much operate the same. And dream time state is a place for exploration, learning, and by and large for the releasing and then new anchoring of belief systems that are more expansive. Right. Right. And a huge amount of that scape is the emotional processing of what's going on. Mm-hmm. Now, would you say that if you're sort of um, disturbed emotionally about something that you might be suppressing it in your waking life and it's just trying to get your attention in your dream timescape? Oh, Does absolutely. Yeah, the more you... All the stuff you don't want to look at in your life, it does mm-hmm. not matter how much you drink, how much you smoke, how much you work, how much you try to compartmentalize this, that, and the other, your consciousness will get to you one way or another. Right. And most of the time, that's as a physical representation as dis-ease in the physical body. But your dream time state is doing you a major favor by trying to get you to work this stuff out so it doesn't have to become physical. Nobody wants to live in disease. Nobody wants chronic conditions. But it seems to be where many people are. So I would say that this is why I believe in the power of dreams and allowing that to express. And the more you're able to be a conscious participant in that process, you don't have to have all these physical manifestations basically knocking on your door saying, I need you to look at this within yourself. I need you to wake up. I need you to pay attention. Right. Right. You're not just going to have the pay attention police knock on your front door and be like, (laughs) excuse me, ma'am, you're going to need to pay attention a little better in your waking life because your attitude is causing you a grave emotional distress and creating a negative feedback loop that's creating you to generate more negativity in your life. You don't realize you're actually primarily responsible. So here's a pay attention citation. If you don't pay this, we're going to have you come down to the pay attention court. No, that's your dream time state. Right. Like, and sometimes they can get violent, right? Like you're talking about this emotional aspect and processing. And you know what comes up in me is, is and I'm not a violent dreamer, but my God, have I heard a, um, a whole swath of people recently about the content of some of their dreams has a lot of violence in it, which I find Okay, there's a lot of violence being played out on the world stage as well, but I think we all are a bit violent in towards ourselves at times. Violent towards ourselves, violent towards each other. Well, but that also comes down to I mean, largely it reminds me of something I came across when studying core energetics and being in essentially group therapy with people. And our teacher basically, at one point, knew that several of us were having interpersonal issues, but weren't expressing it. And her whole point was, you need to express it because this is where we don't sit on shit. And I think what's going on with a lot of people 
is they're sitting on shit in their personal relationships, work relationships, whatever. The more you sit on shit, whether it's with yourself, because it all comes back to self, right? Mm -hmm. So you're denying something within yourself. It leads to denial with other people, whatever, whatever. Anger is going to come up. Right. And so then what do you do with it? Well, society doesn't really have that many outlets for expressing anger. Right. So this stuff has to go somewhere. Do you sit on anger well when you're mad at me? No, you know. <laughs> no, you know, which is why if I get angry at you and you, you know, I don't always like to tell you flat out I'm angry. I, I have to go do something like so I'm like, I go do something. Right. Energy, I emotion. I don't like sitting on anger at you. I actually will walk around and be like, I, I can't really move on with my day. Until this um, is taken care of. Should, should I, I'll even ask you, should I just like pattern more anger towards <laughs> you for the next couple hours? Like, I don't know what to do, like, with my emotional state. Like, should I like downregulate aspects of excitement? Like, it's a very intriguing aspect when... Like you say, like sitting on anger, you know, because I myself have told you since coming into, you know, communion with you is, um, yeah, I used to, I used to use anger to generate energy Mm -hmm. to propel me to do things. And this is, you know, Teal Swan has said this. It's like, if you have a person that's, and I can completely back this from the perspective of core energetics. If you have a person that is depressed and their predominant expression is very like low vibratory in the sense of you can feel their field, it's low vibratory, they're in a depressed state. If you can actually move them into anger, that's a higher vibratory level because of the rate at which the vibration in the auric field, you can... move that along into joy kindness all these things but it's kind of like the pain doorway like going through it there's no way around it no and people don't like to feel anger a lot of times especially when it's very very strong uprisings of that emotion and towards people they're supposed to love (laughs) also think about when anger's bad that belief that is is just thrown upon people if your anger your anger is, is bad or something especially bad if your anger you is rooted angry. in like you can say anger jealousy envy like i just uh think it's kind of sad actually the lack of compassion that we show to ourselves and other people for even having those emotions most people are too tired right now Mostly in America, if you ask anybody, their base default answer is going to be like, well, the reason for X is because I'm tired. Mm-hmm. Like, at the root of it, they're going to either say they don't have enough time or they're tired, right? And usually, if you don't have enough time, you're tired. And if you're tired, you usually don't have enough time either. Stress. And it's like this weird just going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. But ultimately, you know... If we don't give ourselves moments to be with ourselves, to be ourselves, right? It's very tiring upholding. And it takes a lot of time upholding 
not being ourselves, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, a lot I mean, of I'm energy speaking to... from my own experience and try to of sort of weaving this in. And it's not just like people not being themselves and like not being conscious of it. I would say like kind of to me what you're describing especially are these hinge points in the development of your consciousness where if you're trying to hold on to a belief system because that belief system is propping up a life for you that has attachments to people, places, things, careers, you could be fucking attached to furniture, I don't care. Whatever it is, food, drugs, whatever. If you're holding on to that belief system because you can't bear to see those things that you're attached to possibly transition out of your life, whatever that may be, or you don't want to allow for the reforming of your physicality, it requires a tremendous amount of effort to hold on to a belief system and structure of life that your consciousness is actually trying to move you out of. Most people don't even realize they got like one foot in one world and one foot in another. I know from experience, like your physicality from doing that will degrade because you can't support being in two different belief systems. So I feel like a big part of, you know, what I want for myself and what people seem to, when people seem to contact me, it's during these like hinge points where you got to make some sort of jump and actualize in your new belief system structure, even though it's scary, even though it can feel like something different, a different life for allowing right. for the unfolding. Right. In a future podcast, we couldn't talk about, uh, our learned lessons of manifestation if we <laughs> so want but yeah making the jump in the face of fear is absolutely one of the most paramount you know you have to identify the fear is going to be there no matter what mm-hmm. and that fear is false evidence that appears real mm-hmm. have we explained that on a previous no i don't podcast? know if we've talked about we you did talk about fear an but... acronym of fear false evidence appearing real in my life whenever i've felt moments of fear and i've simply reminded myself that it's natural for a human being to feel fear but this fear that i'm feeling must be based on false evidence that i'm making appear real so i'll then ask myself what must i believe that is false, that appears real. Now, somebody who is objecting to this might be like, well, when you see a grizzly bear charging you, you have fear, okay? I would actually say that you would snap into an immediate flight response and your fear is is you're like bypassing this sort of conscious projection of fear that I'm talking about. And most There's people, a very real survival. Right. But how often do people well here's the thing, how often does the modern human actually need to use their survival mechanisms in terms of getting out of the way of a animal like that? I'll be honest with you. I haven't been chased down by a grizzly bear yet in my life. <laughs> right. How many grizzly bears or bears in general have you been chased down by? None. Okay. None. So 
most of the fear that we're dealing with as modern humans is the system that comes online it just doesn't have a job to do at this point so it's looking at all these small things and right. making a mountain out of a molehill essentially most times yeah most times a very wise um line of the Tao Te Ching is essentially it says stop thinking and end all your problems <laughs> right it's interesting whenever I've been very consumed in a state of like worry about problems that line literally pops up in my head like a voice literally saying like well why don't you stop thinking for a little while and just let the sorting process of life take hold and you'll see the way in which you need to proceed forward you know it's a very powerful uh tool that i've used personally especially in for times of anxiety about thinking about oh there's just too many obstacles or problems or but the idea of stop thinking end all your problems Meaning, you're the one thinking about those problems. You're the one who's creating those obstacles. It's sort of, in the sense, going back to your dream, you're the one who's saying, I can't remove them. Mm -hmm. Higher wisdom is showing you, you can. You didn't have to do anything. You didn't change. At, you didn't do anything different no. to pop them out. No. Except the state of belief changed. And I do believe every problem has a solution, and if it doesn't have a solution, it's not a problem. Hmm. Anybody who talks to me, too, when <laughs> I've been ardent about problems or things, I'll be like, I don't want to talk in obstacles. I want to talk in solutions. Solution. Yeah. Right? Like, hey, here's this thing we want to well, do. Well, because I find that most problems that we think are problems is really just sort of lamenting in this loop pattern to avoid action. If you take action, usually most problems are very quickly solved. Right. And if you can't solve them, then there's a larger unfolding complexity to the situation that you as your individual self is not meant to uh, control. That or nine times out of ten, you're just throwing out a fear object out there and then saying you know what fear you keep me stagnant from taking action mm. because god forbid i take action and then fail or those actions are the wrong set of actions so fear tells me and keeps you in the trance of don't even take action at all it's safer mm -hmm. it's a very the oddity or the paradox of fear itself right and we're an interdependent species, so what I continually understand about myself and then hearing other people express different situations in their life is they know that their choices, their actions have a ripple effect on people and there are certain things that we believe about relationships with each other that... Um, You know, sometimes people don't do what's actually in alignment and best for them based on what's going on interdependently in their relationships. Expectations, 
roles they're showing up for, this and that. Right. So it compounds the fear. Oh, no, it definitely compounds the fear. Mm-hmm. I mean, the idea of... If we're talking about fear... There's a lot of people have confused fear. And one of the reasons I say this is because I confused it, you know, fundamentally. I was very um, misunderstood. You have your survival mechanism inside of you, fight or flight, right? Mm -hmm. Then there's also an aspect of your consciousness that has a fear response. That's very much in control of the emotions that are arising during this fear, these fear responses, right? Now, on its extreme loop, when you're sort of just not in, you don't have the ability to sort of hold on to or like like the energy comes in, your emotional energy comes in and you don't have a great ability to actually change its effect on you. I would say everybody has the ability to enact change through their belief systems but in the fear response there's a survival response fight or flight then there's a fear which is frozen in f- fright mm-hmm. you ever heard of this right mm-hmm. you're frozen by fear okay where does that fit into fight or flight that so so well, people say fight flight or freeze right but the fight or flight response is a survival mechanism that's would, outside of the fear-based response. But most people will argue fear as if, no, look, the system's right there, right? But when fear has you frozen, that is you as a human being not taking action because of what you believe based on the situation. So if you are frozen in place because of a grizzly bear, right you've now your something is is keeping you to stand there maybe you have a belief that if i run the bear will charge me so your survival instinct of fight or flight doesn't even it's not even tripped you're like no i'm not gonna flight because if i start running then you know and maybe you're actually not frozen in place no i think the frozen thing is something that's come about through probably modern society the emotional system I mean, because if you probably talk to, if you could talk to like a tribe from X years ago or even tribes that are on the earth today that have little human interaction, they probably would not even consider this idea of freezing. It would be, okay, if I encounter something, I'm going to run or I'm going to fight it. There's no in-between. Right. We, however, as modern humans have, through our own beliefs and what's manifest outside of us, there is this aspect of, no, 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 stay where you are. Don't move, don't move, don't move, don't take action. Would you say that the predatory behavior has mm-hmm. really sort of cemented that, like, you're frozen in the wake of a pre- of yeah. predatory behavior because you don't know how to take action against it? Yeah. Because you, you perceive taking action against somebody who has a predatory nature against you is actually taking action against yourself? huge part of our emotional enmeshment with actual predators you know like i'm just sort of now interchanging my own experience which is to say if there's people who i would say are my loved ones who have had predatory behavior against me mm-hmm. the reason i didn't take actions to stand up for myself or x y or z is because i was frozen in 
place because of the fear mm-hmm. of upsetting that interpersonal or, dynamic. Right, right. And even though it's hurting them. But I would I'm I'm afraid of taking action against myself ultimately. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Wow, that's that's a very, very intriguing loop of fear right there. That is a very intriguing loop of fear. So I'll be so frozen that against somebody who's... I I won't speak up for myself because I'm taking... I look at that other person as if I'm speaking up for myself, I'm taking actions against myself, but not taking... Instead, I should be taking actions for myself because Mm -hmm. you're an empowered individual. I'm an empowered individual. I deserve the same self-respect as you. You deserve the same self-respect as me. You deserve the same respect as your boss or employer or mother, father, or... Correct? Incorrect? I don't know. This is <laughs> this is sort of the no, dynamic just, of the human being. You know, yeah. I was raised in a, you know, respect your elders. Even when your elders are, you know, horrific to you, respect them. I think... Um... There's a lot of interpersonal dynamics that happen with humans in regards to predatory nature that's gone subversive. So we are often very confused as to why there are people that tell us they love us, but then their actions are actually exemplifying uh, behavior that's not from the heart and is very much from a control mechanism of I need to get what I want and I need have a certain belief system of um, self. Right, and it, it pings back to fear often. Right. You know. There's nobody that... Be, and here's the thing, like, especially... We've joked about this in terms of, like, uh, you know, everybody wants to tar- talk about narcissists and narcissism and the epidemic of narcissists and especially like women in dating and everybody seems to have a narcissist story about someone they dated and yeah there's a very real dynamic between people that have personality personalities that are more um amiable uh more they look to serve and this dynamic with someone that has a quote-unquote narcissistic personality um, but I believe that's the ultimate co-creative teaching experience. And I would say that anybody that's been in a narcissistic relationship also has that aspect deeply embedded in their own personality structure, which it would behoove them to start taking a look at that because that aspect of self, you want to call it narcissism. It's also very much a co-creative aspect of crafting your own reality Mm -hmm. learning how to craft your own reality and then but not enslave or impose or control others invalidate the expression of another person's being right that's happening at a cuff nowadays you know i i talk to guys and girls in relationships and their partners on the daily are invalidating aspects of their very being and they're trying to sow the foundations of a relationship. And it's wildly confusing. And what I mean when I say wildly confusing, it's that there's very small things that people do. 
I've done this with you at times where there's something you express and then I express something and it sort of invalidates what you're saying or it comes in and it sort of says like my experience and what I'm seeing is more valid and that creates a degree of conflict at times that it's not meant to arise right and um there's aspects of invalidating in the field with your partner of shared sharing these visions that they don't sow the root and the foundation of healthy relationships right and mm-hmm. we've talked about a lot today but we can get back to the idea of in the dreamscape and I've had dreams before I connected with you and while I've been with you that have been helping me understand how to just have clearer intentions with my own set of actions and a huge part of that is being an empowered individual you know like we've talked about Mm -hmm. no victim identification no victims here (laughs) (laughs) so Thank you, everybody, for listening to the podcast Paradox 23. If you are listening on Spotify, make sure to give us a follow on Apple. Subscribe. Also on Apple, there's a lovely little area to leave us a review and a rating if you're interested. It helps the distribution of the podcast. And it has been our absolute pleasure to be here and talk with you all today. And... Go be your most empowered self, right? (laughs) Absolutely. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to Paradox 23. Until next time.